in the Grotto Pod. Uh, we are briefly in the Grotto Pod, but soon we won't be in the Grotto Pod. We will travel, uh, unlike evil spirits, across water. They don't do that? Nope, they're not able to tra- travel across water. That's I... why the uh, guy who wrote the Amityville Horror could do it on the other side of the... Uh, Long Island Sound. Bridget, of course, is in the Grotto Pod mm. here. Bridget Quinn, uh, author of. Would you like me to say it, Larry? I was. I gave you the. <laughs> I gave you the. Oh, that, lead was, in. that was the secret. Oh, uh, author broad of, strokes. Let me try that again. Okay. Along with me here in the Grotto Pod today is Bridget Quinn, author of Broad Strokes: Fifteen yeah. Women Who Made Art and Made History in That Order. And the reason why I bring that up is because we're interviewing an author today who also likes colons in the middle of titles. I know. I, every single I thought of that too. Every single title of hers has a colon. I think that's a thing in publishing. Is it? I think so. Caroline Paul's books uh, often. We kind of have a colon too. We do. Yeah, no, no, Grotopod colon for writers a, on writing. That is a colon. Anyways, I don't want to keep you in suspense any longer. Okay. Uh, this <laughs> is a big one for us today. No. We have Grotto royalty. Yes. And I think uh, our very own Lee Kravitz described her as San Francisco literary royalty. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. And a text to me, he said, "Let me give me a little rundown on who we got here." It is none other than. Mary Roach. Mary Roach. Yeah. Who, I, I'm such a bad researcher. Not in my books, naturally. But of course. Um, she was voted the best East Bay writer, I believe. But she's won a lot. She has won yeah. many accolades. Uh, she actually won, a, I think it's a National Magazine Award yep. or something she yep, wrote back before so. she started writing book. But she has written, uh, we're not unclear if it's six or seven books because we're writers and we don't know how no, to no, count. No, no, I do know. The okay. seventh book was just an introduction. Oh, well, here's a list. Oh, boy. This is going to (laughs) be... Dear listener, dear listener, one of the, uh, one of your Grotto Pod hosts is a little squeamish. It's not me. I can talk about Felicio all day. It's the guy who looks like a Russian gangster. That would be me. But here's Mary's seven books. Uh, Her first book was called Stiff, The Curious Lives of Human Cadavers. And it's sort of... I had a question about that. Okay. Is there non-human cadavers? Doesn't cadaver mean human? I have no idea. There's not animal cadavers? I don't know. Not what we were afraid we were going to come home to last weekend when it was 110 degrees and my dog was in us. I thought we'd be coming home to a dog cadaver. Thank God. Um, It didn't happen like that, people. Stiff uh, sort of set the template for the type of uh, nonfiction (laughs) Mary writes, Mm -hmm. uh, which is very detail-oriented, but not in an obsessive, compulsive, detail-oriented way, more in a way that highlights... What would you say? Details that uh, aren't usually highlighted, maybe? I think, like, the fascinating details that you never thought to ask yourself. For example, I remember when I read Spook, which was her second book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Science Takes on the Afterlife, I believe is the subtitle. Correct. Like that. 2005. Um, 2005. So that was a long time ago that I read it. But what I remember is that there was a process whereby people thought they could weigh the soul. Oh, yeah. There was a movie called 21 Grams with oh, the uh, very delightful Sean Penn. Right. That wasn't about drugs. Uh, no, I, I think that assumed. was about the difference that when you, when yes. someone's, someone's cadaver weighs 21 grams less than their That's living right. body. And so, so she has these really fascinating details in her books, things that you might never have thought of yeah. that illuminate a whole aspect of the topic. So if you were to write a biography of Mary Roach, yeah. you could call it Mary Roach, colon. Yeah. Things you might not have thought of. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Or things that make Rosen squeamish. Her other I book. I would say that almost entirely. Maybe not packing for Mars. Maybe you could handle that one. No, I could. there's like guts in that too. Her, uh, I think really, at least uh, according to my research, anecdotally, I would say that her highest profile book came in 2008. Bonk, colon. Uh, That's the, about sex. Are you screamish about that too? The curious coupling of science and sex, and that is none of your business. <laughs> but it seems like <laughs> it seems like 
Uh, she that's what got her a TED talk. That's yeah. what uh, seemed to get her a lot of attention. TED talk is about orgasm. Right. So here's a here's a tip for you aspiring nonfiction writers. Yeah. Write about sex, and you will you too could get something that's always on everyone's mind. Someone to everyone everyone wants to talk about it. Everyone wants to hear about it. It's tricky though because you don't want to write porn. I mean, you do because there's money in that maybe, but not as a right. nonfiction. Writer. I almost once got a job in porn. Many, many years ago, I answered an ad. This is pre-Craigslist. It was 1990. Did you know it was about No. Okay. It said editorial assistant, $11 Uh-oh. an hour, which in 1990, know. you know, yeah. good money. I call, it was to, uh, it was for Fling Magazine. And it was an old lady who answered the phone. <laughs> Fling. And, uh. Fling, you didn't know? And I was like, I can do it. I can, yeah, man, I'm a young writer. This is me, man. I can do this. And then the guy asked, you know, he, he said, well, it's writing captions for photos. So a lot of captions. And then he proceeded to tell me in very graphic details what those captions would sound like. And I went, uh, no, sorry, can't do it. I'm out. Wow. You are one of the very few high-minded. Nope. Not high-minded. Just, just, couldn't, just, just couldn't do it. Couldn't, thought it would be funny. Link. Thought it would be hilariously satirical. pieces I ever wrote were for Swing. I remember that. <laughs> Very short-lived magazine, but yeah. Sorry. Anyways, back to uh, Mary. Mary, who is way more interesting than us. <laughs> so and soon more. you'll get to hear her soon. I promise. After we drive to Oakland, uh, so anyway. uh, she followed that up with "Packing for Mars: A Curious Science of Life in the Void," which I could probably handle. Two thousand and ten. Uh, and then a collection, My Planet, Finding Humor in the Oddest Places, also in 2010. She had a column in Reader's Digest called My Planet. And it actually has done a lot of humor. She, um, I think did she, she had a column for Salon a long yeah. time ago, before I think, Stiff. I think that's partly what led to Stiff. Yes, and we're going to yeah. get to that because I know the Grotto also played a little part Ooh, in that as well. That uh, she is a very proud Grotto former member, I think, or emeritus now. I'm yeah, not sure. somehow connected. What do we call that? Fog. Fog, friend of the Grotto, yeah. Yep. Uh, followed by Gulp, Adventures in the Alimentary, Alimentary you, Canal, 2013. That, that is probably the one I want to stay away most. That, I'm telling you, even chewing is, like, terrifying. I, yeah, I don't, I, I yeah, no. And, and her most recent, Grunt, The Curious Science of Humans at War, which I probably could read. Uh, no? Well. Uh, it's like, like adrenaline like, and stuff? And, mm, diarrhea, maggots. Oh, boy. Yeah, I probably don't need that. The maggot part is crazy. So this should be quite a challenge for me. Yeah, here's well, the, I got it. Here's here's the good news, Rosen. You can interview the Grotto's most famous alumni. Yeah. Here's the bad news. She writes about poo, <laughs> but in amusing detail. In very amusing detail, uh, she is a very warm and charming person. Yeah, and, and funny. She is really funny. funny. We got a lot of stuff to talk to her. We've gone yeah. on way too long now, though. Uh, especially about ourselves. Yeah, because that's what we like to do. And mm-hmm. then, all right, so we're going to take us apart our stuff. And I'm really actually, you're nervous about body uh, functions. I'm nervous about, about technology. So we're so a, quite nervous. a duo here today. So many plugs. We're going to take apart this stuff. We're going to get uh-huh. in Bridget's car. We're going to cross the bridge. Yes. And then we're going to meet Mary Roach. But you won't have to deal with that. The next voice you hear yeah. will be probably mine. And then shortly after that, Mary Roach. So let's uh, tackle this. Okay. Let's do Ta-da. it. You're like a bad waiter. Welcome. <laughs> Can I get you anything else? Uh, as we said during our intro, we already did the intro, so we said a lot of nice things about you. And we oh, said we're shit. not in the Grotto Pod. We are actually, no. we, unlike evil spirits, have crossed water into the East Bay and are now sitting in a very buttoned down and spacious down. conference room at a shiny table. Very shiny. Very smooth. If our mm. voices modulate, it's because we're leaning back into our comfortable chairs because it's kind of hard to resist. It's so not the Grotto Pod. Do you think pod. these are real? Uh, um, no. 
I think they're... But they're... How do you know? Well, now, I think they're leatherette. leatherette. I don't know. Maybe they're pleather. Leatherette. I'm not sure. They could be pleather. So, Mary, when I say welcome to the grotto pod, I mean that in a more of an abstract way I than understand. actually being in the grotto pod. Um, before we get started, I need to confess two things. Uh, first, I may not be the best person to do this uh, grotto pod because I'm really squeamish. And I, <laughs> I was like, really? Oh, good. This is, good. Let's, yeah. this is how. It was unwise to tell me that. I'm sorry. The, the, the people that know me well know that I wish the body was filled with nougat, like a giant Three Musketeers bar. That sounds so disgusting. But then if you had an injury, you could just, you know. <laughs> Lick it? Yeah, it'd heal up. Second thing is, uh, I met you once before and I called you by the wrong name. What did you call me by? I called you Chandra. Oh, Chandra, Chandra yeah. X. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, well, I'm very I think, I was going to say, I think that's, that's And right? that's what you said at the time. A little story, because I know people tune in because they want to hear me talk and not you. Um, <laughs> it was at the Grotto anniversary party, and I was kind of a newbie. So I joined up with the team. Like, this is how I'll get to know people, right? And I'll sit at the front and check people in, because then I'll get to know everyone. So I'm checking people, and I'm a little nervous, and I'm looking down because I don't presume to recognize anyone right. until I get to you. I'm like, Chandra, welcome. Nope. By the way, I'm Mary Roach. I've written seven books. Chandra Cast? Yeah. But you were very gracious, as you are gracious to join us today. Thank you for being, well, thank us for being here. Thank us for being together. I'm delighted to be here. I'm so glad. Let's talk about maggots. I don't want to. If you want to. Yeah, let's talk about um, myiasis, which is when maggots are actually in on my body. If we, like, we could, if we, oh. we can look it up right now. Let's uh, look it up. Well, fortunately, you. my Wi-Fi is not working here. <laughs> I, mean, I had a question uh, in the introduction, and now we're ready okay. to talk about. Before we talk about writing and this writing podcast, your first book, Stiff, oh, yeah. which I loved and read when it came out, the, and thought of at the time. The subtitle is The Curious Life of Human Cadavers. Are there cadavers that aren't human? Curious lives of human cadavers. Oh, um, yeah, uh, there's animal cadavers, I suppose. Is that a cadaver? I wonder. I don't, I don't really know. Yeah, why do we even have it? But human cadavers sounds so creepy. I, I, that's a great question. Never, never occurred to me. And I, and I don't like extraneous words. I don't think all. it's extraneous. I think it's important to the title because if you just said cadavers, maybe people wouldn't pick it up. They go, I don't want to read about the dead dogs. I'm about like humans. Okay, I'm much more interested in dead yeah. Cadaver kind of suggests, just like autopsy suggests human. Not well, they've got their own word for animals. Ne- necropsy is oh. an animal autopsy, but I don't. It is. Mm-hmm. That is good to know. Yeah, but I don't think that there's a special word for. Well, I think they just say corpses. Oh, would you say? Would you say? Oh, the we were driving along Highway Five, and there was a dog cadaver on the side. No, you'd say no. Well, you'd say a dead dog. Yeah. But if you were, if you ripped up your knee and you were getting a tendon and you had a choice from either yourself or a corpse, they don't say that. They say cadaver. Oh, that's interesting. You can get a cadaver tendon or you can use one, you know, from another part of your body. But would they, could it be a pig cadaver? It actually can. Right, right. But would they use that word? Like, I I I know someone has a pig heart. Aorta. Oh, aorta. Yeah, yeah. the valves And did they just yeah. call it a pig aorta? He said a pig aorta. Yeah. They didn't, didn't say cadaver because that would have suggested a person. So, but the poor pig doesn't even get credit for being dead. As far as we know, they ripped it out of a live no pig. Respect. No, they don't. No, no. They donate a lot and they get so little. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually true. Those are words to live by. When we were uh, prepping beforehand, we were trying to put our, kind of put our fingers on, not the themes, but really the... 
These are your fingers or some dead person's Our fingers, living okay. fingers, on the essence kind of of what you do. And I came up with curiosity. You seem to have a burning curiosity. And I said details. And Bridget said, well, not just details. Curious well, details. Yeah, yeah. Curious details. Because detail sounds like you're uh, a little OCD, but you're not. You are zoning in on zoning in? Honing in. Honing in on just these aspects that you would never think of about the topic that you somehow find. Yeah. And then dig deep. Yeah. And I think and that involves seeing the world in a way that not everyone sees it. So what I'm curious about is the origins of so that. you're curious too. I am curious. Yeah, always. Just like the dog in nighttime. Mm-hmm. Um, the origins of that, where that comes from. Beats me. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just that I just gravitate to the things that I find interesting. But have you always been like that? I mean, in terms of, I mean, I guess everyone is, whatever your interests are, that's what piques you to be interested in something. But what, were you the kind of kid who, you know, needed to know everything about trains or? No, I, I, no, I was the kind of kid who just, I was so dull. I was the dullest kid. I came home, I did my homework, and then I watched TV. What did you watch? Everything that was on. Which was not much. Well, back in the day. Guess, um, you had three yeah. channels. All three had ABC, NBC, CBS, yeah. and maybe PBS. PBS. Well, that did it for some so, you know, we're talking all these horrible sitcoms like Three's Company oh, and Maritime War. That was good. Bob Newhart Show. Bob Newhart, the best. But then some real crap like Yeehaw and uh, Yeehaw. Yeehaw. My, neighbors, my neighbors were Yeehaw people. And I basically lived at their we house somehow, all summer. We watched a lot of Yeehaw. Yeah, we watched it every week. Oh, well, you know, he did have the big names on. It there was, was a lot of heavy duty respect for country music. Indeed, yeah. Charlie Pride on there. Mm-hmm. Dolly Parton, they were all on there. George Jones, they were all George on there. Yes, I love George Jones. But what you write, you know, you've you've been quoting you write about the human body. Oh uh, yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, I have been. Right. Okay, so if you are for six books, six, that's a lot. Yeah, you weren't a science uh, gal, you said. No, I didn't take biology. No, I mean oh, I, I took biology that. in in high school, but I wasn't very good. Teacher and I never took it. So it didn't spark anything. Nah, not at all. No, I had. A, I liked my physics teacher, but I didn't like my biology teacher. So I didn't. Uh, I think it was a. You know, it was a pretty random thing. I started writing when I graduated. I didn't have any job skills or anything, and I started working for writing for this magazine called Hippocrates that was um, founded by a couple of um, editors, Susan West and Michael Gold, and they was a really inter- it was an interesting take on the on medicine, health, the human body. So they, they covered things people wanted to know. So you started from the beginning doing that work? Yeah, I mean, just because I ended up yeah, writing for them and got a contributing editor contract. Was so that out in San here. Francisco? Uh, yeah, that's out here. Uh, and uh, I just, th- and they were great. Like, you could say, okay, diet stories are, are popular, but I'm not interested in that. But let's see, how can we turn that around? Well, what about if we did a story about... I'll go to Japan and hang out with sumo wrestlers and I'll see what's their strategy to gain weight and then everybody else do the opposite. So you could sell them on a story like mm-hmm. that. You go, yeah, go to Tokyo and talk to sumo wrestlers about how they gain weight. And so then eat what they ate? I did eat what they ate, yeah. Oh, Except, that was good. Uh, yeah, I ate this big stew, chunko nabe, I think it's called. And uh, they said their whole, they, it was about, it ended up being sort of a meal pattern. Like, you should eat your big That's very hot right meal. Now. Yeah, it is very hot right now, yeah. but it, it's old. Um, yeah. Do you consider yourself a participatory journalist? I, I, I don't know. I guess I don't really like that term because it, it, people then say stunt journalism. Yeah, it's a little gimmicky. And it's gimmicky. I, I 
participate if it will add something mm -hmm. to well, like the narrative. I mean, having experienced it is completely different than just yeah. I, I mean, I think it, I think it, it's more entertaining for people to read. I think yeah. you can take it too far, mm -hmm. and then you get the label stuff journalism. Now, or you know, you can do an entire book for the sake of just doing it to have a book, mm -hmm. right? And and I I read those books. I don't mind it, but I know it's got a bit of stink to it. So uh, I I wouldn't apply that label as a primary label. You also, I mean, the body, yes, but a lot of your writing is about is really scientific. It's about science. It's about understanding science. It's about um, popularizing science. But you're not a scientist. You don't have a science background. Is that ever intimidating? Early was it intimidating, or do you just feel like no, you can enter in? Um, enter in? It's not intimidating, but it's limiting. There are definitely mm -hmm. huge uh, chunks of science that I would go near because I I don't think I could feel confident that I wasn't getting things wrong or mm -hmm. or being oversimplistic. Um, and and they also there's the most of science now is is genomes and protein receptors. Right. It's all disappeared on, uh, to the molecular right. level and. That's not very fun for me. I'm kind of a bodies on the slab sort of person. So I want bodies. Bodies that are doing, that are the, the research. Juicy. Yeah, juicy things going on, uh, something to describe and people to interact with and people looking into a microscope. So do you have good. someone who vets your writing from the science angle, not just your editor, but like, do you have yes. trusted advisors? Yes, I, or well, uh, for each book I try to choose somebody who's got a real broad knowledge of the topics that I'm covering and I have them read but just do a like a technical read. They're not doing a formal right. fact check mm -hmm. and they're asking me for all my documents and all that, but they're reading it and if there's a, and I want them just to read it and let me know if there's mm -hmm. a, if I just got something wrong. But okay, but so what I'm hearing though is the start into science it was sort of happenstance, but the way you show pretty classic journalistic intuition. You know, here's a big idea. I've got, how can I look at this from a different angle? And it sort of seems like you expanded on that to make it your whole career. Um, I do want to know, though, and this is kind of a non sequitur, what got you to San Francisco in the first place? I uh, had a friend. After I graduated, I didn't have any uh, plans. Oh, good. There's a Cyrus. Yeah, Oakland, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, should we wait? Nah, I keep talking. Okay. I like it. Okay, atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, I had I just had a friend a friend driving out a driveway car. I don't know if they still even have those. No. They don't. Nope. They don't. Why do they get car places? You ship them. Oh, I don't know. Okay, it used sorry. to be you got oh, that was you a, got a bunch of irresponsible yeah. students. You yeah. didn't pay them, but they got to drive the car out and trash it. Mm -hmm. Pretty much. Yeah. And then some poor person pays the company money, and the companies they would come and go like, every time you needed to do that. They were all the same. So, yeah, yeah. It was a pretty uh, sort of sleazy industry. So that's how I came out here, and I came out just because someone said it's a really cool city. There's hills, and there's something called dim sum where people wheel around a cart with all these strange, fabulous. That's one of the, the best point. reasons I've ever heard. And you point, and they give you this plate, and you just pick what you want off the cart. And it's like, oh, I've got to go there. Dim sum. That's, that's I came for the dim sum. And you were you were a small town girl. Yeah, well, I was a small town girl. Well, I grew up in a small town, mm -hmm. but then I, well, I guess Wesley Middle Town. That's a small, yeah, small town, small campus compared to here. But you seem you seem to really dive in. Um, but what were your plans when you first got here? I, none. 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 Just go somewhere. 
that sounds cool. It was and, an I, and I just had a sense, I just thought, oh, someone will hire me. Yeah, you yeah. come for a job. Solid graduate. And what I did, you know what I did? Uh, I, well, well, I just, I got temp jobs, catering jobs, just garbage jobs Beautiful. to pay the rent. Mm-hmm. My rent was $185 in a little room uh, at the corner of Hayden Ashbury, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I would go through the yellow pages and I remember just calling up things that sounded interesting. I called up the California Prune Advisory Board. Wow, it would be really cool to have a job working for Someday I'm going to write a book about digestion. <laughs> it just seemed so hilarious that there was a board. They had a board. Like, did they, like, did this table this shiny smooth? Yeah, and they're they all they sitting there this, talking about prunes. They're sitting around a table like this talking about prunes. <laughs> I'm an advisory board. That. How can we raise our profile? I tell you, I already know. Call them something else. Dried plums. They're not. Dried plums. What? Yes, they did. They, they made this. Oh, my God. They've I been thought I had a brilliant idea. My yeah. grandmother always had a can, a bottle of prune juice. Oh, yes, prune juice. yes, plums. Exactly. But remember how big raisins were in the 80s? Mm-hmm. California They're, raisins, California man. California raisins. raisins. You could have gotten yeah. in on the ground floor of that. Do you think what you did, and I did a similar thing only with Seattle, do you think it's possible anymore? It's pretty tough to do that here. You just show but up. $185 in 1981, I, let's... What is that now? I, I don't know what that is now. It's still cheaper. It's still cheaper. It's still cheaper. Yeah. I think it's still cheaper. It has to be. But it gave you a sort yes, of... Yes, I think it's way... I think yeah, it was a lot absolutely. cheaper to do. I think it would be... I think it would be tougher, but... Yeah, people... Uh, you know, I was in a big flat with four people, but we had... There was a living room, so what would happen that now was a bedroom. is you would... That would be a bedroom. It yeah. might be split in half. Right. So, you, you know, you make... I mean, you can always make... You can make it work. I used to report stories in Tokyo. People go, oh, it's so expensive. I mean, you report. It's because like, I stayed in a Ryokan, which is a traditional inn, and they're cheap, and I mm-hmm. ate noodles at the train station. It's not expensive to be. It's expensive if you're a business right. person in a right. fancy Western hotel, and you're going mm-hmm. to eat shabu-shabu. But when you, so I know you've since visited all seven continents multiple times. When you started out, was traveling part of the equation for you? Yeah, that's what I would do. I would I'd go on PubMed when I was writing for that PubMed, which is this database of, it still exists, all the medical journals, and I would put in some obscure, <laughs> like, some oh, like PubMed. <laughs> I wonder if that's even a Here's what I thought when you said PubMed. I thought it was thing. like a way that you could find writing assignments that would send you to, to, to medical. Oh, and I wish. Very on. Yeah, that's so funny. I, I wonder if they even realized PubMed. PubMed, <laughs> Well, anyway, I go, I go on and I plug in, you know, too random. I'm probably in some country that I wanted to go to and then, like, hypertension, or I don't know, I, I just throw things in and try to find so stories. Like, I did a story in Mozambique, and this came about because um, my editors from this same magazine said, we'd like to do something on meditation and its benefits. It was like, so boring to me. Yeah. And I thought, it yeah. And I, kinda, and I went on, I don't know how I found this, but I, um, there was a piece in the New York Times about the president of Mozambique, who's deeply into TM, Transcendental mm-hmm. Meditation, mm-hmm. made his cabinet members take TM, his mm-hmm. military generals had to take TM, whether they wanted to or not. And so I sent faxes, because that's what you did back then, and said I really I would like to interview Mr. President of Mozambique about TM. TM. And he doesn't like to talk about the guerrilla war, the economy, but he loves to talk about TM, meditation. So uh, it was a piece, and you know, it was like the kind of narrative structure of 
all right, this guy is dealing with um, a guerrilla uprising in a horrible country. He's very stressed. It works for him. You know? So <laughs> it might work for you. It might work for you. It works for you. So that, <clears throat> that was kind of my approach. And so, 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 so yes, travel was everything. And soon after you settled in here in San Francisco, although we're in Oakland now, uh, you were freelancing. And my guess is you must have been an editor's dream because you always came up with a story angle no one had thought of before. Unless. There you go. Blow your arm a little bit. <laughs> I think I uh, but not everyone. Keep in mind, a lot of magazines didn't want yeah. that. They wanted something very straightforward and mm-hmm. service-oriented. Like all the women's magazines just wanted, you know, fast facts and bullet points, and still do, I'm sure. Yeah. So bullet points for so there, sure. So there weren't a lot of publications that wanted the kind of thing that I wanted to do. That that one did, and and, and discover mm-hmm. science magazine and science. It, it was much broader really uh, now opening up my possibilities for travel because people do science all over the world. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to be, yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to be related to the human body at all. So at what point did you realize that, that science would be your niche? Uh, I, you know, I don't think I ever really did. I don't think I ever intended to, to, to park it there mm-hmm. and keep it there. I just, I enjoyed it. And I, you know, when I, I went from Discover, uh, there was an editorial coup and I stopped writing for them. And shortly after that, uh, Salon.com start was founded, and that was, uh, that, you know, that's not science, not, you know, and I had a column for them. I just pitched human body medicine, because that's kind of was my beat, but did you, um, I didn't plan to. So when I read, doing my little research, when I read about that column that was described as a humor column, too. It was kind of a hybrid. It was mm-hmm. reported. It was a reported mm-hmm. Column. I wouldn't, it wasn't like a Dave Barry column. It was just humor. So it was, but it was definitely um, not as scrupulously reported as, <laughs> as, as work Stop. that okay. yeah, as work that I uh, do now. Oh, so uh, in the you know you had a book come out last year, I think 2016. How do you come up with the next idea for a book? Is it something where you're working on something and some lacuna? interests you and you begin to think that's calling to you or do you have like a notebook of ideas that you can't wait to get for that notebook notebook of ideas is that a notebook Um, of ideas no you seem like your notebook would be like no 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 almost nothing really works for me really no no most things don't so how do you know that when when you're kind of casting about because six books that's a lot of books Mm -hmm. and they've all done well you know you are would say America's beloved science writer. Hey, how do you? <laughs> yay! How do you know when you're kind of casting the net? That's the one. I don't always know. Sometimes my editor knows. Sometimes uh-huh. my agent knows. Yeah, and they're always right. And yeah. uh, uh, like for example, I spent uh, two months at least this year earlier thinking I might do something on the human elements of natural disasters. Mm-hmm. Some of it before the disaster, some of it after, but some of it during. And the during proved to be really tough because you need, kind of need to embed with the team if you really want to be on the scene, right. like pulling people out of rubble or being there when people are doing that, that means you would need to know where is it going to happen and who's going in. And there's hundreds of organizations. And, you know, USAID or FEMA or Doctors Without Borders, they're all like, we can't set that up ahead of time. Mm-hmm. We don't know who's, go- who's there in the area who's going in. So logistically, just banging my head against the wall for a couple of months and then just not to do it. Yeah, I was going to ask, how far do you go before you figure out it's not going to work? A couple months. Yeah. I, yeah. If it's not, if it's not there at two months, just 
I'm dis very highly disinclined to keep pushing. Well, Stiff came was born out of a, a series of columns or a column you had written? A couple of columns mm -hmm. uh, for thesalon.com. Mm -hmm. the, the column was much broader, but there were a couple of cadaver stories. And that really grew out of a conversation with the, um, the guy who's my agent still. He said, wisely, go uh, find out how what columns have the highest hit rates. Oh, wait, that's like... Wait, and... That's forward thinking death in 2003. Death, not death, but one of them was about... Um, how crash test dummies were calibrated back in the 60s, and they had to use this bizarre science called human tolerance, where, you, yeah, because you needed, to, like, yeah. the dummy would only tell you how much force, yeah. and you needed to know, well, what would that force do to a body? Would yeah. it just break the sternum, or would it shake the aorta? You. Ah, yeah. sorry. <laughs> Larry's getting a yeah. little pale. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so... <laughs> the papers. Um, I did a column that had to do with that, and then there was a second column that was for Thanksgiving about how much the human stomach. Oh, I like that. Oh. Um, so how much the human stomach will hold it for? Which I, which I, the it, it, it burst. I didn't even. Know but that. here's the thing: it, it's stupid to use a dead body for that because it won't burst if you're alive because the, there's a reflex at a certain point to throw. Of course, right. That's, that's a that's a survival right. mechanism. Yes. You, well, okay. you Otherwise, we'd all be dead. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I'll <laughs> be dead. A little greedy. So, uh, yeah, the, but the, the the column had to do with a couple of 1800 studies where this guy sat a cadaver. I'm laughing, but that's probably not appropriate. But actually sat a cadaver at a table. <laughs> of course. Filled up the stomach. With food? I think it was probably water. Because oh. you can't make a dead guy swallow. Sure. Yeah. There are a lot of things you can make a dead person do, but swallow is... I don't think so. I don't think so. No. Wow. I don't I, I'm still, I'm still so struck by that has the highest hit rate. Cadavers have the highest hit rates. That isn't that interesting about people. Interesting and maybe a little disturbing. A yeah. little disturbing. Yeah, they, they had. I mean, they, they they were among the highest hit rates. Or else it just means everything else I wrote about was really dull. <laughs> <laughs> but have you have you continued to be aware of? in advance what the response to a topic might be? No. No, no, no. That was the only that, time, yeah. That was just, I was just casting about, it was his suggestion, why don't you see which which of these were popular, and, and then he suggested writing proposals or other, other things you might write about. Because it was, and, and I had this very strong sense of wanting to, to write a book that, that hadn't been written atop, and it felt like everything had been already written about it. Nobody had written about cadaver research and kind of practical or just interesting post-mortem careers. Again, that seems to be a, a pretty consistent drive for you to find stuff that no one's done yet, or that no one's really taken a close look at yet. Yeah, you don't want to write a book that's already out there. Right. You know? But so many people do. It's fascinating. It is interesting. Yeah. Even things that seem to be totally. completely unique, like there's this book, Longitude. Oh, yeah. That book was great. David Savelle. Yeah. And I remember I was in the stacks at San Francisco Public Library, probably just looking around for ideas. And there was a book called Longitude written years before. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying that she got the idea from him. Right. Um, but who would think that there... Two books about the discovery <laughs> but not of just that. Longitude. That book was so fantastic. And can you imagine pitching that book to someone? I know. Like, yeah. I have this idea about... Well, you know those lines on the globe? <laughs> They're so fascinating. It's so lines. interesting. Yeah. Like, they didn't always exist. <laughs> yeah. Somebody made it up. 
somebody come up with these lines. I just don't, I don't understand how you do that. I, and, mm. and also, where did she, how did she even find that story? Yeah. I kind of doubt she found that book that was buried in the stacks. Well, how did she even hear that story? I, uh, um, yeah. And, and it just, it, even, you know, that, that amazing piece on the Cascadian subduction zone up in Scared all my friends piece? in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes. Um, a friend of mine who works downstairs in our office, she used to be the book excerpt editor at Discover, and she said somebody, I don't know how many years back, did an entire book right. on the work of that same guy. And, you know, and again, not to say that this reporter right. copied that work, but just... Well, have you had that experience where you did something, not necessarily a book, maybe even a column, that you thought, oh, no one's thought of this before, and all of a sudden says, well, actually, someone did. Yeah, I'm sure. That not, not, for, not for a book... Mm-hmm. For a take on a book, I think you can have a, a, a unique take on something fairly oh, easily. Yeah. Uh, but even then, I'm, try, I'm trying to find stuff that if you do a Google search, nothing, nothing will come comes up. up. That is so hard. And it I would is say, so hard. And let me just say that, that I think so that it's an ingrained part of your personality because I read the thing in Apartment uh, Life about your house. Yes. You use, and my wife and I, we're into this stuff. I write about real estate too. Yeah. You used surf, a, a counter surface and a type of linoleum I'd never heard of before. Marmolium? I've never heard of marmolium. And what, did, and what did you so use for the say, counters? Marmol- rich light. Wasn't rich it light. Rich light? Don't yeah. use that because oh. if you've got a crumb, I mean, it feels really good. Like this table. This table does amazing. Let's all take a moment it's so to, smooth. Oh, to fondle. We're going to bliss out. Word? Word? Oh, yeah. Fondle. Caress. Caress. Yeah. Caress the table. It's very caressable, rich light. But if you put down, if there's crumbs on the table and you put a Look down and move the book. I'm <gasps> telling you. It. It, yeah. But the, oh, the good yeah. news is you can do a very fine refinish. Still, that's not what you want on the counter. No, it's not. It's like it should be I'm legal sorry. to sell yes. a I'm Agreed. sorry. We didn't get together Lost to speak all about my point. countertops. <laughs> what is your point? That even when choosing to decorate your house, you've managed to find things other people may not find. I mean, your house like doesn't look like my house like it came right out of Pottery Barn. No, no. It is not Pottery Barn, yeah, but so, but it also doesn't look like, you know, like standard operational kitsch. No. Or it's it's very unique. It's very nice. I like oh, thank you. Yeah. As a professional, that's, that's high praise. Yeah. Thank you, Larry. Nice. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the grotto. Yeah, sure. You were at the I grotto. History of Ninety-five to two thousand five. And by the way, on the way out, at least. Oh my God! So many people. Tell her I say hi. Tell her I, I say hi. So that's it. We'll tell you off air, I guess, who they were. <clears throat> Someone, I said, everyone's telling Caroline, me to tell her to say hi. Caroline wasn't there. They weren't there. Yukari, oh. Fred. Yukari. Um, I don't know Laura. the guy's name. Uh, no, Chris? she wasn't. No, the, the, other, yeah. the other guy who wears shorts and makes films. Don't, Dave Monroe? No. Shoot, I can't the remember. The guy who wears shorts and makes films. Oh. He has the last name for a first name. Doesn't everyone know? I wish I did. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> Maybe Roach I should just say person. Roach Mary. <laughs> that sounds like something like from World War II. You know Roach Mary. Speaking of World War II, um, but then I want to speak about World War One. is a detail about your life that I can't believe you don't mm. feel compelled to explore is that your father came to America on the Lusitania. That is incredible. I know. I recently read... Eric Larson's book on the I was just going to ask you. I, and, I'm so excited, and I love Eric Larson's yeah. work anyway. Yeah. So I'm so excited to read this. Yeah. But the way history works, if you're uh, the people who have 
diaries and things that were published and accounts in the newspaper or all the upper class. Right, of course. So yeah. all of the families oh. covered, not that he tried to do that intentionally. Right. It's, it's, it's just where the... steerage did not exist. There was not a mention of, what did that yeah, show look like down so there? That is so interesting. That is so interesting. This is an interesting topic. It is. What 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 else? What could I you know? How could you make it gross? Well, yeah. steerage is kind of gross. <laughs> oh, steerage is disgusting. <laughs> Steerage is gross. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, but I and I'm not a But there's, there's a perfect example. Um, you know, every, all that work on the Lusitania was all known. Was Much of it had been written about before. It's that he is a great narrative storyteller. Yes, and he took the two parallels. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The U-boat captain who hadn't right. sunk anything. And also that whole amazing story of how um, England, I think it was, knew... Uh, the, the list where it was heading and what they knew the danger they were in. They didn't want it. They didn't want to give away the fact that they'd broken the code. Right. So mm. if we act on this, they'll know we know where things are. They'll know we know the code. So oh well, they're oh well, it's just hopefully it'll be okay. Just hopefully a boat okay. full of people. Maybe we can pull some of them out of the water. That'll be yeah. Can I go back to the grotto? Sure. Okay. I know what's that about. I know, but listen, like I am actually. I would actually love to hear that story at length. Yeah. But I do want to talk about the grotto. Okay. Because you had, I read somewhere, I forget the uh, article or the interview, but you had said the, the grotto played a pretty big role in getting stiff. Yes, it did. From oh, inception, yeah, it did. yeah. Specifically, Ethan Waters and Laura Fraser, because those guys are pretty good. Yeah, not the first person to cite Ethan as a yeah. here's, here's big why. catalyst. We, uh, the three of us, once a year, would go around Thanksgiving or so, and we'd go to lunch together. And we'd make predictions to, about other people in the grotto, unbeknownst to them. Sometimes oh. about their personal lives, but other times about their professional lives. And it included each other. And somebody, either oh. or Laura, said, for me, Mary, by this time next, by, by January 1st. It was by January 1st. I guess that's what we would. That's, no, it was January 1st when we'd make the predictions and then look back a year later. I would have a book deal. So around Thanksgiving, that was the Thanksgiving tie-in, I realized... Uh oh! I better get. I got. I got. I've got to sell a book. I've got to do something because otherwise we're going to get together and look at the list. And go no, and Ethan because he likes to gamble would put odds on things. And and how? Oh my gosh! So I did. That was that was how I. I don't know. Oh, November, you decided to get like, a book deal, and okay, you had maybe it October. Maybe but it was fall. It was definitely that's fall. crazy. And how well positioned were you at that time to get the attention of a publisher to get a book deal? I was uh, writing the column for, for Salon. Salon, and I had been—I'd had had a conversation with this agent who said, "I like your columns. You should think about a book." And that was as okay. far as we'd taken it. I called him and said, "What? Let's talk. I have to. I've got to write a proposal <laughs> fast. <laughs> Six weeks. Yeah, essentially, a book proposal. It's such a best end of year to be getting." Did you know how to write a proposal at the time? No, and I remember it. That's great. Talking to my agent. So much better not to Yeah, and he, 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 I said, I don't really know how to do that. You can do this. He goes, I'll send you a couple of hmm. like examples. Well, one of them is a memoir that's hmm. like a first-person account, and it's just half the book. But that, that's not helpful. The yeah. other one was a biography of Graham Parsons. 
Oh, which I read. I'm like, you know, he's dead, so there's that overlap, yeah. but there's no... But a biography is very different. Nothing, like, yeah. I guess what he was saying was just do you want. Do, find your own way and do yeah. what you want. You know, he said it's a, it's a selling tool. So make the first paragraph kick-ass good. And then throw in 15 chapters, a couple paragraphs about each, talk about marketing, and you're out. That was it. Did you know what the 15 chapters were going to be? How much had you written at but that point? But you don't point? have to stick to it. Yeah, you don't have to stick to it. Nobody's going to go back and... Nobody cares. Hey, wait a minute. So yeah. Nobody cares. Yeah. I'm not going to go back and... Well, you turned in a book, but I see here you skipped chapter <laughs> 7, 8, What I was really interested in was the maggots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's my favorite yeah. part. My, although my editor did, uh, for Stiff, I did skip the TWI Flight 800 chapter uh, about... Sorry, uh, this is, Here um, it comes. Um, <laughs> the chapter about how the bodies of the victims could could be useful in the crash where you can't find the black box and you don't know what happened. You can learn a lot from the bodies. And this guy did this particular kind of forensics. This lovely, quiet man, uh, Dennis something. Anyway, uh, I hadn't done that chapter because I thought, this I can't make the tone match. It's mm -hmm. too gram and too sensitive. And my editor mm -hmm. said, hey, where's that, where's that TWA Flight 800 chapter? And uh, uh, she asked me to try it, so I did. I, I did include it. Was, Flight, <clears throat> was that the Lockerbie, Scotland? No. One? Oh. No, it was off Long Island, and people thought there was conspiracy theories mm -hmm. about it was shot down. Did it explode in the air, or was oh, it, was it okay. shot down? And they never they couldn't find the black box, so there was a lot of conspiracy thinking. No, went really. on. But anyway, that was that's the only time anybody's looked back at the and said, why don't you, you, you mm -hmm. give us that and we want it? So when Stiff came out and achieved some you know, levels of success, how did that change? It was a, it was a New York Times bestseller, wasn't it? I was trying to understand. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Oh. Okay. Um, how did it change your life? Now you're a book, now you're a book writer. Uh, now you're an author. Yeah. No, I was, it was, it and was now we want another book. Not, yeah. No, the, uh, the, it was very exciting. It didn't hit the bestseller list. It came out in April and it didn't hit the, the New York Times list till August. So it was kind of a slow build. It was kind of word of mouth, which was That's great. exciting. That was very exciting. Yeah. yeah, that was very exciting. Because it's they didn't give it a huge push. They did a nice job with it, but it wasn't a mega, you know, you know, I'm not an A-list. I was a nobody. So they kind of cautiously put it out there, sent me around on a tour. Three or four people would show up at my events. <laughs> but at the time... <laughs> I mean, you were a first-time author. You're like, this yeah. is great. Yeah, yeah, no, it was incredibly exciting. It was, it was just I, because I because I had no confidence that anybody would buy or read or like this book. I felt horrible for my publisher that they'd spent, a, you know, not a huge sum of money, but a considerable chunk of money on this book that no one was going to read, and it, I couldn't envision. You know, anybody like going into a bookstore and looking in there? Oh, the Cadaver book. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to read. Then you know, who would, you know, who's going <laughs> to buy this book? So it was uh, incredibly exciting and surprising and just deliriously fun because it was absolutely unexpected. And then, like, your second book, you think, well, that was really easy. Uh, no problem. Mm, you know, and then so you're like, you know, your publisher's like, well, we're hoping this will be even bigger. And, you know, so you're always competing against yourself for each How was book. Spook? It did, it, it did find, you know, it got a bigger push, so it right. has sell on this, but it, right. didn't, it didn't take off in the same, like, Stiff keeps selling because it's on high school reading mm. lists and right. anatomy right. class reading lists, so it, it, and it, it, it just reached, there's something that happens sometimes mm -hmm. with a book where it, 
It becomes a cultural touchstone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And people have heard of it, and they go, oh, I never read that book. Maybe I'll get yeah. that book. I mean, it keeps selling. So you're always kind of competing with yourself against that first book. Right. It seems yeah. like <clears throat> Bonk is the one that, I don't know if it was the biggest seller, but it seems to be the one, if you YouTube you, you're always talking about it. People always want to know TED, about because it. Because of the TED Talk. Because of the TED Talk? Yes, because of the TED Talk. The TED Talk. Did you suspect when you went in, okay, this is the one, this is something everyone wants to talk about? I, know, I, I thought that my dad that would Bonk would yeah. way outsell. Of course. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I mean, Bonk did fine, but it didn't, I was disappointed. I think my publisher was disappointed yeah. as well. It did not swamp the sales of Stiff and take off because it's very... It's fun. There's twice the footnotes in that one. The footnotes are really fun stuff. And sex is so and fun. Sex stuff. is fun. And the sex and researchers were great. Everybody and wants to talk about it. The, the, the science part is the crazy they part. Were, the the sex lab sex. stuff was just, right. you know, bring, bringing human beings into a sex lab and having them do things with people in white coats and clipboards is just an inherently awkward, mm-hmm. ludicrous, fabulous proposition. And that book should have. I think should have been yeah, we definitely uh, a much so. bigger seller, and it wasn't. I don't blame my publisher; they <clears throat> did a really great job of getting the word out. I, I don't know. Like maybe people are feel funny like going up to the counter with a or being seen reading a book. I don't know. That's where Kindle's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know what I don't, I don't know, know why. I don't know why that book didn't. Yeah, I'm surprised to hear it honestly. I am too because yeah. it seems like that's what comes up when you when you if you Google you, that, that's it, the one that, that is. Really, is it because of the TED, TED talk. talk? The TED Talk went, it's in the 20 most watched. Mm-hmm. But it, interestingly, when I did that TED Talk, um, the audience were <laughs> confused. I mean, it's not it, because TED, you know, TED Talks at things. the time, not that much. Well, doesn't it not come that, out? Maybe they added a soundtrack. Right? It's not, it, not, like, it was conspicuously just oh, yeah, random titters. I was like, this oh. is really bombing. Uh, oh, yikes. Well, it, it seems weird. like it's not as titillating as people think it would be well it's not at ted it was uh you know ted talks are kind of like here's big ideas to change mm-hmm. the world so me getting up and talking about 10 things you don't know about orgasm it changes the world yeah, Makes doesn't change the world yeah. doesn't change anything <laughs> so i think it, it was a kind of an outlier and i know they were the ted people did they held it for a long time they were concerned about the, the, the guy, the Danish pig farmer who was doing yeah. the sow stimulation, yeah. that clip, they were going to take that out because they thought that the animal rights people would be angry. Oh, hmm. I can see that. But it's them getting angry. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but no one did. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the sounds are a little bit happier. I mean, <laughs> is they funny they're going to be mad about that? But they were, they were nervous about that and they, they didn't release it for quite a while. And then, and then when it did, of course, it took off because mm-hmm. it's, it's got the one more guess in it. And that yeah. didn't impact book sales? No, because at that time, Ted had a whole, you know, the Ted Commandments. One of them was, thou shalt not self-promote. Oh. And that seems to have fallen by the way I in more say, recent years. Yeah. But at the time, I, you know, I'm playing by the rules. So I didn't say that I wrote a book. They didn't say. I didn't show a slide. Of my, so people thought I was a researcher. So I got a lot of interesting email. Uh. Yeek. In, in the weeks to follow. Yeah. But offering their services, um, just their their stories, like yeah. Uh, um, yeah, for me on a good day, putting on lip balm will do the trick. <laughs> or I'm a Greek man, and I, forty nine year old Greek man, and when I ride a bicycle, I have an orgasm, and I. But it does. It was a small amount, but I, it doesn't happen right away. And I will ride in circles, and I'm frequently late for my destination. And oh my goodness! This is a whole. 
Because then he's got to clean up, too. Sonar, yeah, right. <laughs> like he's going for a job interview. I know. Yeah. Or anything, really. Really, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, know. Yeah, I, so that, I, got a, I got a lot of that, but um, uh, people didn't know there was an book associated with it because I wasn't allowed to say Wow. That. And were you allowed to use that afterwards as a way to promote the book? Mm-hmm. Sure, I could. You do what I you want. Yeah. I had a layer, yeah. too. And, and uh, you know, I think people could... Yeah, do a Google search and figure out pretty quickly right. who I was, and mm-hmm. maybe that has helped with sales. These things are hard to gauge. You know? When you were doing Packing for Mars, were you really bummed that you couldn't think of a long word title? Yes. Yeah, we were all on that for weeks. I can imagine. But, but what were some, of, were some of the short lists? Were there any? They, they, they all suck. Space. Yeah, people would say space. That's no, that's not no. edge. It has to be yeah. void. Void. Void was good because it was a little bit of a double entendre. I was going to say. Yeah, but nobody, Void. you know, unless you knew there was a chapter about the zero gravity right. toilet. You kind of put some pressure on yourself heading down that I road. Know. Oh, I know. And there's some other set out once it wasn't before. Yeah. So good. Stiff, smooth, fog. Those are really good. And gulp. Gulp is really good. No, there wasn't Grunt anything. Grunt is really good. Grunt is good. There wasn't that's anything not obvious for, at all. Yeah, there wasn't anything for uh, the space one. Nothing. Mm, we tried. Everybody yeah. tried. But I think packing for Mars is funny. I like that. It's fine. It's fine. But that was the number one question on that book tour. Why is it a one word? Yeah, what happened? Oh. Why is it, why is it oh, one word? That's, but that's such a bummer. Is yeah. that sort of the law of unintended consequences for you? Like, I got a million other questions you could ask me. Yeah. Why are you asking yeah, me that? Yeah, yeah. No, I just, I, I knew to expect the first question. Well, within the first three questions. Um. <clears throat> How consistent have sales of your books been? Uh, well, like I said, Stiff continues to sell. Mm-hmm. So Stiff has sold, um, I don't know how many copies of it it's sold by now, but it's, and I don't have sales figures for any of them, but I know that they tend to, with the exception of Stiff, which stayed, came on the list late and stayed on for a long time. You know, not at the top 10, but kind of on the mm-hmm. extended list, and then back, you know, we bounced around for a long time. Since then, because there's a bigger push, there's, there's much more marketing that goes into the books. That was my next it question. Hits, it hits somewhere in the top 15, stays there for a few weeks, and then makes its way back down. Mm-hmm. So it's a sharp peak, and then it drops off. How has, how, how has the way your publisher markets you and handles you changed over the years? And is that based on your uh, increased prominence? Or just changes in the publishing um, the, world. Um, the the tours, uh, the, you know, the, the tour for Spook and Bonk was more much much bigger, and now there's been a little bit of a um, shrinking of the tour. Not uh, mainly just because uh, so much more is done online now. Mm-hmm. Actually, and tours, tours, tours are not happening that much, and the venues will be only be you know Seattle Town Hall or you know, Powell's is one of the exceptions because you know, they can draw a hundred people. Mm-hmm. But the, but not very hardly any bookstore events that, unless they're just local. Do you miss them? Uh, the bookstore events? Mm-hmm. No, because I do a lot local. I mm. do a lot of local bookstore events, and uh, the, and the travel is you know book tour is you know mm-hmm. it's a little exhausting. Two two weeks is is a really nice amount of time. But, uh, uh, four weeks starts to get yeah four weeks I can't imagine. Yeah. Oh my gosh yeah yeah uh, so they're, so they they've been more selective in terms of you know. Is it an event that will have 100 or 200 or 500 mm-hmm. or 1,000 people? That That's considered worth you know, um, sending an author around, but uh, so much more it is done through targeted advertising. Speaking of being local, uh, 
I've noticed just reading things about you that you sort of have become kind of the Ur Bay Area person. You're reading about your house, like, oh, I got this at an antique store on Haight Street. I got this in Alameda. Uh-huh. You really seem to have embraced it. Do you think that was part of the plan when you first came here? Or were you one of, did you have kind of a Marianne Singleton moment where you were just entranced and this was it? Oh, I was. I, well, I was originally completely entranced with San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I loved San Francisco. That happens. Me too. And um, I still like it, but I then, I, I guess I'm, you know, serially entranced because then we moved to Oakland and I love Oakland. Uh, it's just, it's a very Mary Roach kind of place. And what is a Mary Roach kind of place besides uh, kind of gross? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, just, a, just like I, I ride the, the bus from, there's a bus that comes from my, I love the public buses in Oakland because it's, it's this, just this wonderful kind of utopian mishmash of every possible, it's not just, in like San Francisco yeah. it's a little more like just very, very poor people are riding that bus. Right. Not uh, uh, for the most part, not entirely, but here uh, it, it's, it's all different classes and everybody and everyone thanks the driver when they get off. And you can put your bike in the front. I I just, I don't know, I I love it. And and just, it's a really eclectic city and uh, very integrated. Great weather, great food, great coffee. Do you think it informs your writing at all? Uh, uh, That'd be kind of a stretch, it seems like, yeah. It informs my writing, but it just fits my sense of self and I love I mean we're in a really odd little chunk of the the downtown Mm -hmm. it's very funky here Mm -hmm. and I love that and we have 12 people uh, here and by the way this is a great building the the woodman of the world the woodman of the world as soon as I leave here I'm googling the woodman of the world Uh, and and, and I came I came upon uh, I was looking him up one time there was an old legal journal and one of the cases was someone who sued woodman of the world because he was injured when he fell off the goat. Blindfolded. Well, now you have to explain the goat. The mechanical goat. That yeah, is part of the, uh, the initiation process. Ceremony. Uh, and they, when they post, there's pictures of them online where they have these little outfits. And they're not woodmen or lumberjacks. They're ins- they ended up becoming insurance people. Hmm. It sounds like insurance. They were ins- Yeah, they were insurance. They are the, the woodman building in the Midwest. So it was a big it's in, I, I got that far. It's like Omaha... Yeah. Which I guess is where insurance... Wait, what are we saying? We're saying that came out of the goat yes. thing? Or well, that's... The women of the world, fraternal yeah. organizations. One of the right. things they did for their members yes. is they, yeah, that they provided yeah. insurance for members. Oh, and the women were really good at it. We're like, let's take this on the road. Let's sell insurance. So <laughs> the women insurance company grew out of the weird fraternal organization. Which still exists. Goat. So I think the women still exist. Well, I don't think so. I'll check because I put I, the Woodman Insurance Company. Oh, wait, that, <clears throat> maybe that's what I got. If you go to the cemetery uh, um, in uh, at the end of college, I think, it, or Piedmont, I forget. There's a big cemetery there where Chapel of the Chimes is. Anyway, the the Woodman of the World. If you remember, you got a um, a stone. Nice. There's a stump. You got a stump grave. Oh, you got a stump. A little you stump. Got a stump, like a granite stump. When yeah, you huh. mentioned, I can't help when you say the goat in the initiation. <laughs> I'm not going. No, I'm not going where you think I'm going. You okay. said a mechanical goat, and I yes. just keep picturing urban cowboy. But that was a mechanical bull. That was a mechanical. So bull. they didn't actually ride the so mechanical goat. So it wasn't as goat. big, and it wasn't as, as violent. It's right. From what I from what I can tell, it kind of some dude fell off of it. Oh, they did so ride I, it though. Blindfolded, they did ride it. <laughs> that adds yes. an element of surprise. There is a little <laughs> hint of satanic ritual. Yeah, well, they all have a hint of that. Their, there's pictures of them all gathered together, and they're wearing little. Woodman outfits, and they have a mascot goat, a live goat. Or so I don't did. know whatever happened. They didn't kill it. I don't know. Barbecue it. They might have. Did they wear fezzes? 
No fez. Little cards. What's the point? No, no, really? No, the Shriner. No fez. I yeah. lived for the Shriner Parade when I was a kid. Yeah. The Shriner Parade. The little camel mini bikes. The Calliope. Uh, those drunk guys on their mini doing the figure eights with the mini bikes. I mean, you can't. It doesn't get weirder. I mean, the re- the real history of those fraternal order orders. It, I just saw. And we don't flute. know it. I think we only know a fraction of what really okay. goes on. Oh, of course. Yeah. But I just saw the magic flute and re- was reminded, although I saw it in Norway, in Norwegian, as a Star Wars movie. But anyway, um, it makes you realize that, that that's all based on Masonic rituals. Mm-hmm. And yeah. just, it goes way back. The weirdness goes way back. I should probably do a book about the, the weirdness of the world. They're, but, you know, they're probably so ordinary and dull. But that's what makes it hilarious yeah. and awesome. It might be the only part of their lives that isn't ordinary and dull. It's like, it's mm-hmm. like the... The, I don't know, it's like ingesting magic into the everyday world, into the insurance And you can find their, you know, the the, the things that were recited, it was kind of like a Catholic mass or something. Oh, yeah. There was like a a, uh, stuff that you you had to say and they had a script and it was all very strange and mystical and they, like, sure they had re enchantment of insurance. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Would that insurance were so interesting these days? We are ball and shit. I'm really into this. I think this is you can go online and find Woodman of the World plates. I, I started to lose my mind. I know. I, I, I already like some plates. We gotta get some. Yeah. If I worked here, I would be. I'm intrigued. Nonstop. I'm, if I worked here, I'd get a room air conditioner. But I am intrigued. <laughs> um, <laughs> we are. The floor is very hot. Yeah. Well, heat. You know. It's not as bad as the gravipod. This is actually cool. Uh, it, we should have fans. Yeah. And in fact, um, Grotto Pod producer Lee Kravitz said at his home last week it was 107. In his house. Oh, where? Yeah. In San Mateo. And he lives in an Eichler. Do you know what an Eichler home mm-hmm. is? Yeah. I grew up in one and they become greenhouses. Oh, they do? Yeah, because all that yeah. glass. So I can't um, poorly. Why would you build a house like that in California? And they were only built here, right? Well, it's not supposed to get to be 107 it never, here. It never gets that oh. hot normally. They were down Bad south, sun. too. Um, so we're almost out of time here, so I want to know kind of where you're at now, what you're working on, if you can say. I'm actually not working on a book right now. No? No. What do you guys I'm not one of those people with a, with a binder full of ideas. Mm. <laughs> I've already so, handed you the idea. Yeah. Woodman wood of, wood of the World. Oh, the Woodman of the World. And I, there's a funny double entendre wood thing. Yeah, Woodman. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, then there should be a Woodman of the World porn movie. Yes. Woodman of the World. Goats. Two. Woodman of the World. It three. can't lose. That's it. <laughs> it cannot lose. Uh, but beyond not, work, beyond not working, I know you do You do some, some magazine writing, too, and some yeah, reviewing. Yeah, I do some magazine. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a piece right now for Smith's Well, not right now, but I'm leaving soon for uh, the aftermath of Harvey uh, mm. to do a piece on uh, first responders who go in and rescue cultural artifacts and things. They evacuate museums, museums, yeah, museums, museums, and also just weird historical societies and things like that. It's a surprising this number of weird so stuff in Texas. There's a weird oh, yeah. museum. There's a museum of toilet seat art. That's roadside Basically, America right there. Surprisingly weird things in Texas. You just, just said that. Surprisingly 500. Okay, 500 yes. bizarre and eclectic museums and historical society. I love it. At this point in your career, if you go a while without a book, do you start getting heat from your publisher and your agent? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. They, they prefer something. You know, they're, very, they're not hounding me, but uh, I know that they 
prefer something to be underway. But, yeah, I know so I'm, you know, open to suggestions. <laughs> I, I know. I've done all I can do in the world. Awesome. And my last <laughs> question for you, is, is there anything that grosses you out? Um, yes. Yes. I, I, I hope uh, it's something totally mundane like fingernails uh, on the chalkboard. Really, okay, there are two things. This one is for you. Oh, good. Because it's, you can maybe handle this. Okay, good. Uh, if you don't cook okra properly and you, you, you eat gumbo and you pull the spoon up, there's this sort of mucilage. It's, I call it okra snot. Yeah, I and that I must can't. really gross you out because I read that before that you had mentioned that. I can't, that's one of the few things. People ask me this. Yeah. But, um, no, I, it's possible to gross me out. I'm friends with the um, uh, Alameda County Medical Examiner, and she's all saying, hey, come on, we got an interesting case. Mm. I've had to leave the room. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. I gotta say, as someone who approaches life from the exact opposite direction, it must be kind of nice to walk around knowing, eh, I'm probably not going to get grossed out today. Um, yeah, it is. It makes I'm life like, easier. Yeah. It makes life easier, yeah. And also, it was very fun for her to have successfully given me the dry leaves yeah. and made me yeah. leave the room. That. Yeah. <clears throat> and isn't it incredible to think that's her job? Like she just doesn't bother her at she all. Just doesn't no, she was an Emmy. She wrote uh, a really interesting book. She was the Emmy for uh, 9/11. Mm. Wow, which is today. Today we're recording yeah, this. Yeah, was one of the one of the medical examiners for you know oh, I would, 9/11, and also the ghost ship fire. Oh, wow. I would worry though at that point, and my wife works in um, biotech and knows a lot of MDs, and a lot of them get to this point too, where in order to do your job, you have to sort of dial down in humanity because mm-hmm. otherwise it'd eat you alive you know seeing a bunch of dead people yeah yeah although in her case she does such a i mean especially for the 9-11 she does such a service for, i mean she's you both dialing down the humanity but also you're really deep in the humanity i was going to say in a way it is just having the bravery to look into that side of humanity yeah and and, and people Family members want just the want to know. So yeah. she she is a very humane and, and sensitive person in a way. But yeah, it, it's a it's a strange. It's a it's contest. a tough balance. Yeah. Yeah. We are out of time. Uh, Mary, can you give us your website, Twitter, so people can check in daily on your musings? Sure, yeah, because I go on that website regularly. Why <laughs> back in two thousand and five? I probably no. Uh, 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 Mary what is it? Org or net? www.marriage.net because that horrible uh, American contestant, Idol? Yes. yes. They the other Mary Roach. Who still gets more. Wait, but you Mary, I think that's Mary Gilbo. MaryRoach.com. She wanted to change her name to Mary Gilbo. She did? Yes. And did she? I had just learned of this person last night when I Googled you. I'm like, yeah. Mary Roach on American Idol. Oh, that'd be so awesome. But oh, it's not the man. same one. Yeah, she... Oh, she uh, Pete, she, she got the website name before they bought it. They just bought oh, it for yeah. her at some point. Uh, uh, I, I think it's available now, but I can't be bothered to search. Yeah. She was but. one of those people who was bad and, you know, and, and, spectacularly bad. So, and, and, and a little crazy. And a little crazy. And sad. Awesome. And, yeah. Yeah, and people <gasps> still sometimes say, was that you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. For a brief shining moment, I was hoping it was. Yeah, no. uh, Twitter? No, do you sad. do Twitter? Yeah, uh, Mary underscore Roach. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, what about you? Larry, you can find me at the Clinterest on Two Twitter. N. How many Instagram. N's you got there? Two. I misspelled my name once when I was doing this. 
Me at that Larry Rosen on Twitter and the old Instagram there. If you want to see some pictures of my dog. Who is still alive. Barely. Uh, and my <laughs> website and other podcast is isitgoodforthejews.com if you just can't get enough of me. As for us here at the Grotto Pod, our website is the great. Is it the Grotto Pod or Grotto Pod? I have no idea. I think it's grottopod.com. Twitter handles the Grotto Pod. Uh, Facebook slash the slash Grotto Pod. I'm doing a great Here, job of wrapping this up. Good thing I have this handy bookmark. And by the way, you can go to Zazzle and buy t-shirts now. So just uh, go to Zazzle and put our name in the search box. Or a coffee mug. Or a tote bag. T-shirts. What about, what about a gnome? Ooh. No, we don't have those. There was gnomes. a school where I went to talk and they sent me a ceramic gnome. Was it a Walter school? No, no, oh. no. It was the Clark. It was up, up. They play a lot of hockey games. I don't know why they had a gnome. Because Walter schools often have gnomes. Uh, no gnomes. No, um. Okay, no gnomes. No, uh, we can work on that though. Coasters or beer koozies, either. We need to say thank you to our producers, Lori Ann Doyle, Beth Weingartner, and Lee Krippins. <clears throat> and as long as you got the mic, why don't you take us out? First, I want to thank Sugartown. Oh, yes. And for all the awesome music. And then I want to say to everyone in Broadville read, write, and just keep working. Very rich, does. <laughs>